This is Lauren. This is Trey. And this is the Partnership Podcast. I'm Lauren, and I am one piece of the Partnership Podcast. I am the mother of an 11 year old and born and raised here in the same small town in Virginia, and currently working as a sexuality educator after over a decade of work in a maternal health field. I'm Trey, and I'm her partner. Lauren and I watched the Hulu documentary, God Forbid, about the Falwells, and we're talking about it. Enjoy. Well, and I don't know if it gives off that much. It shit. doesn't heat worth shit. It's really pretty, and it heats up the room slightly, but, like, you have to stand next to it. Anyway. Anyway. Good morning. Good morning, my lover. So, you and I watched the Hulu documentary, yeah. God Forbid last week and like anything we do together we started talking about it dissecting it discussing from our different vantage points from our different experiences and it was at that point that we said we should probably do a podcast about this because we have so many thoughts and we've talked with a lot of people who have thoughts on this would you like to share with our viewers and listeners why i don't know this this specific story is like closer to us in space well it's literally closer to us so like we live what probably 20 minutes away from the Falwells. yeah yeah you're from you're born and raised in can i say it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're born and raised in lynchburg virginia mm-hmm. home of jerry falwell senior and liberty university and the Falwells. they're here jerry falwell senior married my parents my parents were two of one of the like 12th class to graduate from Liberty University. He married them? Yeah. He was the person who married. Them. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, fuck. No, like my parents were like prized people to Jerry Falwell Sr. Because if you think about it, the school was so small when they were there. And my mom was kind of the first movie star to go to the school. Yeah. I'm sure since then there have been a lot of kind of like media personalities who've come through there. It's not as big of a deal. But in that day, it was a really big deal. Yeah. Lauren's mama was in Friday the 13th, the Mm -hmm. original one. Mm -hmm. And then um, your dad played basketball Mm -hmm. for Liberty. Yeah, was recruited. And... Yeah, and, you know, both of their stories are really neat because my mom took four years off between high school and college to act and never thought she'd go to college. And then her story and, you know, she came to a what she felt was a, um, a I don't know, an evangelical conversion experience. And so then decided to leave the soap opera she was on and come down to Liberty University. And my father was eventually, was originally going to college for a baseball scholarship mm-hmm. and then threw his arm out. And so then was all of his scholarships were revoked to the Division One baseball programs. Um, so then he was just as good at basketball. And so he started to be recruited um, and was recruited by all these fantastic schools, but chose this brand new baby school, Liberty, because mm. he had also had a recent conversion experience. Okay. So my mom was four years older than my dad. And yeah, one day my dad wrecked his motorcycle and was dealing with depression and was going to leave school. And the coach said, what's the one thing that would keep you here? And he said, if you had the movie star come read to me in my hospital room, like as a, like, I don't know, some stupid off the cuff comment. And so the coach went and found my mom and, got her to come to the hospital and chat with my dad to keep him at school to play basketball. Okay. That's how they met. Okay. Yeah. 
then yeah, they got married. And so I've grown up around the establishment that is Liberty University. I remember when it changed from Liberty Baptist Bible College to Liberty University. Um, I, we were talking about this last night. My mom taught English over there for a while and so knew a bunch of the English departments. So when I was homeschooled, I took college classes there in my like freshman year of high school. And so that's back when the dress code was even more strict. And when the gendered um, control was even more obvious than it is today. But I didn't know any better then. This was late 90s, early 2000s. All women were required to wear skirts and dresses at all times. Um, Men had to be in suit and ties. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the men were just getting off like scot free. It was there was still dress codes, um, but yeah, you weren't allowed to be with a boy like in a car alone. You weren't allowed to be alone with a member of the opposite sex. Anyway, just really, really tight. No music. No drinking. No dancing. Typical Southern Baptist stuff from that era. Yeah, so I've just always grown up around it. My dad coached for Liberty's basketball team for the longest time. I grew up going to basketball games. I've watched the campus kind of explode. Um, Jerry Falwell Sr. died just three weeks before my mother did in 2007. Um, His death rocked everything. And so then I watched Jerry Falwell Jr. come into quote-unquote power. And then I participated in a lot of professional theater as an extension of the school. Um, in which I interacted with Jerry Falwell Jr. himself as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I could go on and on. When I worked in the maternal health field, women, pregnant people would come to programming who had been impregnated by student-athletes who they had been kicked out of school, the pregnant person, but the athlete had had no consequence. I mean... That's maybe the first time that my, like, huh? What? Went up. Tell the Becky and Jerry story in the theater. Yeah. So the, uh, happened when in my nonprofit work. I remember that distinctly. Like, first little red flag. Like, always we kind of joked about the restrictiveness at Liberty, but I always used to say, well, you choose to go there. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't want to do deal with their rules just okay. choose to go somewhere else sure. like no one's forcing you to come to the school mm-hmm. is what i used to always think right okay. that's what when i was younger yeah. i remember making that argument then nonprofit work pregnant people were coming to programming who had literally been excused from school and i for getting pregnant by football players specifically football players specifically so i was like that's weird then a couple years later, I'm doing professional theater with their branch of the school that's kind of like alumni, but also professionals from all across the states. And I'm in the dressing room, and Jerry and Becky were big supporters of the theater. And I am unclothed. And Jerry and Becky walked into the dressing room. So non consensual. And I remember thinking, I don't have, thank God, sexual trauma. But that was so 
like unnerving for my nervous system, like so startling that all of a sudden this person was walking in and we were all in different in dressing rooms. You're in different stages of dress at all times. Like some people are completely dressed. Some people are completely nude. I remember thinking, what on earth just happened? That is so not okay. In what world is it okay for a person who's not a member of the crew, not a member at and any of our crew, too, would never just do that. They would say, hey, is everybody decent? May I come in and make an announcement? No, only the people who are, their names are on that door are allowed, like, in the a dressing room ever. It's just basic human decency. And they just walked in after a show. For perspective, okay, say uh, it's Broadway and I'm a producer. Does that ever happen where a producer walks into a dressing room? It used to. It used to. But and, now there's boundaries set yeah, in place? I mean, because now the whole industry has been like fuck that okay that's non-consensual got it okay right? what year was this 15 2015 6, 15 16 okay maybe 16 maybe 16 um and so i spoke to stage management about it and i spoke to the director about it and this was the weirdest part it was like yeah yeah we know it's it's but Just, it's them. But it's Jerry. Yeah. And basically, we are getting all these privileges because he likes the theater program. Like, this was this professional extension. No university has this, right? Like, we were using these collegiate facilities to do these professional things. There was a whole budget for it. I was getting paid. I was a paid actor there. Um Kind of like, yeah, well, we have to let it happen so that we get these privileges. And that was this first, like, incredible check in my gut. And then I started hearing, because you would work with students, too, just about the whole culture, this whole Jerry is a buddy culture, this whole Becky, everybody teases, is just trying to, like, pick up students. Um, Jerry's very affectionate with the students and touchy and they're drinking on campus and the rules don't really apply to them. But it was all said in a very like, yeah, but that's just them. This was all in the wind. All in the wind. All right. So that was like that, that the university was really kind of their treehouse. Yeah. Or their fort or their little kingdom. And they kind of got to do whatever they wanted to. Any other stories or anything you want to say before we actually get to the doc? Mm. Anything you can remember? Mm -hmm. Any other red flags? Yeah, I can tell one last story. So when I was, for a while, I was an on-campus student. It lasted, I think, for two semesters because I couldn't. I couldn't comprehend the world of working and being in school. It Anyway, I was just an old soul, let's say it this way, and it just all seemed so pathetic. But for a while, I was working professionally and attending classes there. So it would come from work to school. This is when the dress code was still enforced. They had moved from skirts only to dress slacks. I hate that word for some reason, slacks. And dress shoes. You could not wear flip-flops. I was like, okay. I understood. One day I was at school, had come from a work event, not even just work, like it was even more dressed up than normal. And I had on my work outfit, button down shirt, dress slacks and heeled sandals that happened to have one strap that went between the toe. Like 
this. So you're showing toe. We're showing toe. I got stopped in the hallway by an RA and written up for my inappropriate clothing. Yeah. So that's what I want listeners and viewers to know is that the control, right, the written up for inappropriateness was when I was there on campus for a hot second, was when I was a professional actor interacting with students. It is a real thing. The Liberty Way that people talk about is an actual document that exists that students have to sign and abide by these rules that, no idea what it is right now, we could pull it up. But it was extremely strict and we'll talk about all the things that I now know as a sexuality educator, right? Um, I was made to feel very poorly that I had done something very sinful by showing toe. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's my last story. Okay. And everybody who went in my era has stories like that. Documentary. Documentary. Okay. So we're just going to talk under the guys that we're going to assume that everything that we saw was true. Okay. Where there was like a relationship between uh, Giancarlo and then Becky and then Jerry that was, he was 20 at the time. They were in their, what, 40s or maybe 50s. Mm-hmm. And we'll just assume that everything in that Hulu doc was true. What's cuckolding? Hmm. Cuckolding is traditionally when a male-bodied person enjoys watching his wife specifically have sex with somebody else before him and or he is fine not having sexual relations with anyone else but his wife is free to sexually explore with other men so in essence it's like a it sounds like a derogatory term right Mm -hmm. like oh he's he's been cucked yeah right but many individuals actually enjoy that um it's funny because it actually is backed up by some research i was just reading that male-bodied cis hetero men are actually pretty content with the sexual relationships they have in in their marriages. They're actually, it's delightful for them, but that women are really longing for more adventure. Mm -hmm. So if that is your marriage situation and it's consensual for you, for some people, it's a really good way to continue to build their marriage and make it stronger while she sexually explores. So some men enjoy watching. Um, some men don't want to know anything. They just want their wife to go have these great sexually exploratory experiences and come back to them. So that is kind of – and every I, I would encourage people to disagree with me or add what they've heard recently. The beautiful thing about um, sex terminology and sexuality terminology is it evolves. It evolves mm-hmm. as we learn more, um, but that is the pretty standard definition. Did you think it was consensual between the three of them? It's a great question. I thought it was an incredibly ex- consensual between Jerry and Becky. This is something they had thought about, talked about. Who knows if they had talked to other people or seen it done or watched documentaries or read books or watched TV shows or who knows. It seemed very consensual between Jerry and Becky. Incredibly. Do you think it made their relationship stronger? Like this dynamic? Like this whole thing? Or do you think? Not the whole thing, but like say uh, at the beginning when it was just – between mm-hmm. them or when it wasn't a you know a national mm-hmm. headline do no, you think, think it made it... their relationship stronger i love what you said in the beginning we're just basing this on what we saw in the documentary you and i have also listened to the podcast gangster capitalism i would say it served its purpose 
I am. I don't want to speculate to the fact that if it made the relationship stronger or weaker, but I do think it provided sexual excitement for them and something that was just theirs and um, something that wasn't in the public eye and something fun and exciting to talk about and look at together. And um, yeah, I do think for good or bad, those initial things drew them closer. Because it's what happens when you're scheming with someone. Think about that, right? When you're planning something with someone that's secret, it does draw you closer together. They called them predators a lot. And then Giancarlo mm-hmm. referred to the Falwells as predators. Did you see any of their behavior as predatory? Mm. So within the sexual education field and sex therapy field and sexology, we do a lot of discussions about power dynamics because, as Jack Moran says, there are four cornerstones of eroticism, and one of them is the search for power. Power is incredibly erotic. It can turn you on like that, right? Flipping a power dynamic, taking power, relinquishing power. Those are incredibly erotic things. So when done within the kink community or within a BDSM community where there are scenes set up and contracts written and discussions around consent and safe words and framing and before care and after care, I see healing. I see joy. I see sexual freedom. Okay. But so many of those things that I just discussed were not discussed at all with this young boy they met at the pool. Now, had it been this one time thing, right, where a young adult had been invited. They didn't force him back to a hotel room. They extended an invitation. They said, here, here's a phone number. Here, here's the hotel. He communicated with his sister. This was all great. Had it been this one-time thing, um, I even think that could have been fine. Do I wish there had been a lot more dynamics, right, of, hey, we're going to use fictitious names. We're going to ask you to do the same thing. This is a one and done thing. They could have done so much around that. They could have said, we acknowledge that we are older and this is very erotic for us because you're younger. Does this feel comfortable with you too, though? Um, Is that a good example of before care right there? That would be beautiful, right, of we honor that we are very sexually attracted to you and that this could be incredibly exciting, but we want to make sure you're protected too. There's this thing we call couple privilege. And so not only did they have age and wealth and prestige, they also just had foundational couple privilege. They got to go back to themselves, whereas what was their plan for him after? How was he going to be cared for? Was he going to be fine? Right? That, that is a little bit predatory. That would be predatory for whoever you are. If you are not considering the other, you are just like further perpetuating privilege. Before care is, and correct me, step in, uh, kind of properly communicating boundaries or expectations or asking questions. What would have been, okay, so they had sex. And, and I like that they talked about in the beginning, it wasn't penetrative sex that they had in the beginning. Oh, that's right. They yeah. did a really good job of saying that. Hand stuff and mouth stuff? Mm-hmm. I know. Um, okay, so what would be a good example of aftercare after that first time? 
either together all in the bed saying how was that for you um are there any questions that any of us have is there anything we need to talk to were you harmed by anything that that might seem silly to people but right then and there is a really good opportunity to say this what are your plans after this um this is who we feel comfortable telling or not telling do you feel comfortable with the same thing have we we want to make sure that you feel that there are safe people for you to talk to without it right becoming this like smear thing but they weren't even sharing who they were at this moment so that's why it all gets very weird too it's like either you needed to have said this is sex work which they had not hired a sex worker so he was not bound by any confidentiality right I don't know. There just should have been conversations. Who are you going to talk to? Do you feel good? Are we all ever talking again? Or was this a one-time thing? Um, yeah. Do you need a food? Do you need food? <laughs> do you need a drink? Do you have water? I also didn't like how everybody liquored each other up. I am all fine for some substance with uh, sexual encounters, but when we are doing it to dull our, huh, like our natural inclinations to make and discern what is right for us i get a little leery and the fact that they like yeah talked about the jack daniels or whatever made me a little queasy inside okay so that's what could have happened what what actually happened afterward mm-hmm. i think they left and then according to the documentary they saw each other again the next day or something at the fountain blue Fountain Blue, and I guess it happened again, kind of immediately. Um, that was kind of mushy. Um, what do you mean mushy? They, they were they didn't clarify if they like then had a sexual encounter there at the hotel or if they went back to that days in. The details were mushy. Yeah, that was happened. mushy. So I don't want to speculate too much. I didn't feel clear about that. But, but then, it did happen again soon, ab- soon after on that same trip is what I was led to believe. Okay. Um, but I could be wrong. Did you gather that? I don't remember. Okay. But then then texting started. So this, Becky to Giancarlo. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the things that should have been completely outlined at the beginning too. Is this a physical relationship? Is this a emotional relationship? Is this a texting relationship? What is this? And what are everybody's responsibilities to each party because I guess then you know Becky would be texting him according to the doc she was saying she loved him three weeks after they had met she was I think texting or saying over the phone I love you and then if he didn't respond then Jerry was texting him saying hey my wife is crying you need to follow up I don't, I think that, I, I don't know the timeline either, but that was as the relationship got like more and more. I don't know when that started. I don't know if that was a year in. I don't know if that was after Giancarlo tried to put up some boundaries. Um, he, he he was pursuing a relationship. Uh, the timeline's getting murky on all of that, but that did happen. I don't know if that was a reaction to like, hey, I'm, I have a girlfriend my age right now, and I I don't know. But let's go back to the I love you at three weeks and your question about, um, what did you say they were being called? No. What did you say? Predators or predatory. Was this predatory behavior? Was it predatory behavior? It could have been, this is one of the things we've been talking about, ignorance. Okay? 
Ignorance can harm more than anything in this world. And when religious people hide behind this guise of I did not know any better, I want to say shame on you. Your ignorance does not excuse you from harm. You harmed and exhibited predatory behavior even though it was just because you were dumb as fuck and you did not know anything about Jack Moran's cornerstones of eroticism and that the reason you wanted to say I love you to Juan Carlo was because you were feeling very powerful and you loved it and he had power over you. That is really fucking erotic. But it is not healthy relational behavior. And when religious people say, no, I can't, I can't learn about sexuality because that's all the bad stuff, right? They are doing themselves, their families, and their communities harm because educating oneself on kink, on BDSM, on non-monogamy, on all of the ways we can express ourselves sexually includes how to respect other human beings and protect their agency and autonomy over themselves. That was not loving and protective behavior of this other human being. That was predatory. I don't think she meant to be predatory, but she was. Was it sexy and erotic? Yes. Did it probably feel so good to be desired after only having been sexual with one human being since she was like so small? Yes. Yes. But it doesn't excuse the behavior. Sorry, I will step down off my soapbox. <sighs> what did you think about Jerry's role in all of this? Any of it. All of it. Can you ask a more specific mm -hmm, question? Mm -hmm. From your vantage point. Yeah. As a person, raised male, mm -hmm. right, who was not raised in religious world, right, you, who has a moral compass that is just kind of what is in your body, right? You make moral decisions, from my experience, out of your own, like, moral right and wrong, not from outside sources, how do you feel he behaved through this? Do you feel like he was in the right or the wrong? Um, do you think he could have done things differently? Do you think how he behaved was appropriate? Do you think, yeah. I've been around these guys, these uh, like boomer treehouse paradise guys where they set up their own little kingdom and then they, they do whatever the fuck they want. And I've never, I, they're, they're douchebags. Okay. Um, I don't know Jerry personally, and um, but I know his type. All the sex stuff, I, I can't relate. I've never seen a guy fuck another woman. I can't relate. Okay. That's not my cup of tea, but whatever. It, you know what it is? I don't ever want to yuck anybody's yum. Mm -mm. But it wasn't. 20-year-olds are some of the dumbest fucking people <laughs> on planet Earth. 
they're so fucking stupid, early 20-year-olds. Like, that kid was 10, 10 years prior. Um, and, like, Becky loved young boys. This is speculation, but if this were the 70s or the 80s, that kid may have been 16 or whatever. Mm-hmm. She just loved, you know, young men. Yeah. And okay. Right. Um, yeah, I just thought they were all pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. You know, the kid, uh, those two, yeah, just, just a bunch of dumb motherfuckers. And then they're getting a bunch of sex involved. What am I trying to say? Jerry, I, I don't know. I've. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Falwell, he's a wild boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, fuck. Hey, you know what it is? I guess you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. And that's what he's now currently living. Yeah. I, I mean, what a fucking, like, unfortunately. It's all kind of a big fucking joke, but it's the guy's life. So uh, I have empathy for that where maybe he's like a a prisoner of his own circumstance now because he's not literally in jail, but I think he's a prisoner in this community. I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's paparazzi camped outside of his house right now. Pardon me, I keep sniffing into the fucking mic. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I've I've been around his type. In so, his type, they go down. So can I talk? They go down yeah, okay. eventually. Does this principle work with those same type of individuals you've been around who are predominantly male? Can I can I beg to guess that these people that you're talking about are predominantly yeah. male, maybe mm-hmm. even white male? For the most part, yeah, yeah. right. It, which is just they're held up by our culture. It's it's really just male, and we can take out the white part. It's male and uh, you know high power dynamic. Okay, but wealth, it's their own little you, but wealth is usually thrown yeah, in. You know maybe what? It's not. their own little like okay. it's their own little kingdom. Yeah, it's in in a lot of it's their own little bullshit kingdom. So sex researchers call this the pedestal paradigm, where just what you said made me think of this. They go down, right? When we put someone on a pedestal you've even said this to me before like don't put me on a pedestal right if i compliment you you're like no nah, nah, nah. <laughs> like i don't know i don't i want none of that yeah. because i think you innately just have no palate for it and maybe it's because you've seen it happen before who knows um this Not pedestal they, these guys are also or these men and women they're also they're narcissists like mpd narcissistic personality disorder mm-hmm. they check 90 percent of the boxes mm-hmm. And I've been around narcissists as well. Same. The problem with the pedestal paradigm, so many things. But when we put someone up on a pedestal, not only does power go to their heads, greed go to their heads, can they do so many things that just destroy them, right? Ignorantly. They, we also rob them of some basic human needs such as the human need of intimacy, the human need for close relationship, the human need for affection and attention and being known 
and belonging. Because when we put these people up on a pedestal, we start to think that everything that they should do should be exemplary and just above par. And they're just human. They're just human who have the same basic human needs, including especially touch, intimacy, relationship, belonging. So they start to get starved and they start to look for it in ways that need to kind of go behind the curtain because people can't know I need this. People can't know I am struggling because I am starving for intimacy. People can't know. So we naturally watch them become forced into this need to hide, be secret, be kind of like closeted with these behaviors that for anyone else in the world would not need to be because we're not like, they're not like on full display up on this pedestal, which then those behaviors start to become eroticized. We start to connect arousal to the secrecy, the hiding, the deception. So then we can't enjoy healthy sexuality because we have so eroticized secrecy and that which is deceitful. We can't even get it up in the other situations. So I have so many questions about that. They could have done it. They could have kept it a secret. They could have they they could have had their their kink and their secret and they could have they just could have done it a different way. My my favorite way for them to do it. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go even ahead. even when it was like breaking nationally, they kept just saying, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." Because I true, I think they thought it. They they were untouchable. Yes, I think they. And that's just unfortunately, that's just delusion. That so you're creepy. dealing with narcissistic delusion, and that's why we're talking about it mm-hmm. in a bedroom. So our podcast, yeah, studio. our podcast studio, which is a. It's a bedroom. So you've just lit it so masterfully, no one would ever know. No one would have ever known if they would have clearly communicated and done it in a healthy manner, but that's not the tools that they had or the tools that they ever were concerned with acquiring. Can I ask this? Do uh. you think it could have turned out well if they ethically moved him to La Quinta to be the general manager yeah. it's like dude you're gonna be the general manager at La Quinta man we're gonna yeah. pay you 60k baby do you think it could have been wise if they ethically hired a sex worker oh yeah right oh fuck yeah, yeah. wouldn't that have been just such a great way hey yeah we will talk about this we will sex worker and an NDA yes 2000 in cash and sign right yeah. here that person's not being but abused. I don't think that would have been as sexy as what they were doing. So there's this other thing that Freud talks about that's called reaction formation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is the more that we uplift and put on a pedestal, a person in especially this happens in houses with an authoritarian father. This is why it was so fascinating for me to watch this, thinking of Freud, knowing Jerry Falwell Jr.'s father intimately. Like, I know him. He'd be like, Lauren, before he died, right? This is why it's fascinating, y'all, to go and look at, like, pastor's kids. We call them PKs inside the church. Because growing up under that, 
is horrifying. And so anybody who's familiar with Freud talks a lot about ego. The ego splits and you have this one persona that presents for your father. Okay. Then you have this other persona where what would have been developmentally normal sexuality is developing, splits out over here and goes to deceitful, harmful, um, dysfunctional sexual behaviors because they are not allowed to be integrated in your world. Now, there have been studies that show that it does not have to be an authoritarian father. The church can also serve the role of authoritarian father. So you throw a Jerry Jr. archetype into this, who not only has an authoritarian father, he has a whole church, and his father is the pastor of the fucking church. Jerry has no room for mess up. Jerry has no room to express his sexuality healthily from the time that he is a developmentally normal sexual being. So does it excuse the behavior? Fuck no. Does it help me understand the behavior? Yes. Do I want he and Becky to come on this podcast with us? Yes. Because what they did is a natural consequence of the lack of comprehensive sexuality education they had, of the lack of integration of their sexuality into their lives as a whole. They were not given space to discuss sexuality in their worlds. That was the sin unless you were married. Wait till you're married. Get married. Abstain till you're married. Get married. She, she told the story on the documentary like of how she proposed to him. And they got married, what, super young. Super, super young. And then they had three babies within like the first few years of their marriage. And she was a baby. There's also trauma studies that say... We go back to the original age that we were, kind of when we entered into this frozen state. And I think, I could be wrong, that she was in early 20s. So for her to be sexually attracted to a 20-something-year-old makes complete sense in my brain. She never got to explore that age sexually at the age that she had been. You, you had a baby at your early 20s. Yes. You're saying it correlates? But yes. are you attracted to younger men? When I, yes, you know this story. Yeah. 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 Yes. Is the answer to that. You, now, you would say you identify like being attracted to older men, though. Because of a whole nother theory. Okay. <laughs> because of a whole nother theory. But when I got divorced, I was 100% attracted to younger men. And within my marriage, you know this, I was tempted several times to have an, a quote unquote affair. I did not act on it. Yeah. But in my sexual fantasies, all younger men. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Baby. Yeah. All younger men okay. who had been the age that I was when I got divorced. Okay. I and, didn't know that. Wow. All right. Yeah. And it's just it's just normal. And this is it's so fascinating. Um, there's so many models of sexuality therapy and education. And so many of them start with giving ourselves permission to understand why our brains think the way they do, which is, again, why it is not scary to study sexuality. It is empowering to study sexuality. Because when we can say, I know why I am attracted to that form of behavior, but I am not going to act on it because it's harmful to other people. Attraction is not a choice. No. Then we can integrate it into healthy ways, into our erotic imaginations and into sexual fantasies with our consenting partner. Or we can hire, pay for a transactional sexual experience with someone who is consenting to our exact boundaries. 
and who says, yes, I would be happy to provide that for you. But Juan Carlo didn't get to say, yes, I would be happy to provide that for you. And like you said, he was dumb because he was, he was a baby. And I am sure that they did, sure, maybe narcissists, but I am sure that they were like, oh, we should do something nice for this baby that we just had a sexual encounter with. Let's get him property. The things that they did, they, I mean, that's, it's huge. Huge. And then, so again, it can't I, all be, it can't all be to keep him under my thumb or it can't all be so. that. It can't. I think ignorance, neglect, but there stupidity. is There is a level of generosity, spending millions of dollars. Maybe a flaunting? Uh, I, I don't know. But back to your original question, was it predatory? I don't know. What do you think, and we'll wrap this up soon, of... <laughs> Them behaving this way while running an institution that was sex is sexually oppressive and not supportive of all students, and you know where it's illegal to have sexual interactions. Yeah, with it's another having a public image versus a private image, or yeah. like the public yeah. image is all kind of it comparatively to your private mm -hmm. image or values or actions. It's all yeah. bullshit. What do you think of that? It's pretty American. It's pretty standard. Okay. It's just standard. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's standard. And then, um, I mean, uh, all the dogma. So, yeah, and all the, the pedestal. It goes back to the pedestal mm -hmm. thing where it's, uh, and you, you could see it crumble. What did you think of how Juan Carlo told his story? What did you think of the documentary as a whole? Do you feel like it was pretty thorough? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was kind of uh, whatever. Um, I thought the kid held back. Or he's a kid. He's probably, what, late 20s, early 30s now. Um, I thought there were some certain things that were held back. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought he wanted to paint himself in a very specific way, and, which he did by holding back certain things. Um, what do you mean? What do you, if you could, if you could fill in the blanks of what you think he held back, what types of things do you held back? This is just opinion. What type of things do you felt, think he held back? I never heard him say it was really hot and I liked it. Never heard him say that. Yeah. I never heard him say like it was, there was, he, he alluded to it or he said, I'm very horny where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, uh -huh. You know, I slipped in her pussy. And mm -hmm. um, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. I think the power and the sex was intoxicating to him as well. Can and I ask kind of a personal question? Yeah. That just came to mind? Sure. You, we were, we were just talking about age, right? You've for a long time been attracted to older women. Yeah. Have you ever had an older woman that you've had an encounter with abuse power with you? Or try to control in any way? I've had some women try to control, oh. but then there's big time pushback real quick. Okay. Yeah. Did it increase eroticism or decrease eroticism? Decrease. If you try to control me, it decreases eroticism okay. within me. I don't want to be controlled. I actually want the opposite. I want to, you can do whatever you want to. Right. So I want the opposite. I want the freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. I've actually, have, I mean, I've run into a lot of problems with authority. Mm -hmm. when I try to get controlled and then if it's not um, 
practical or moral, there's only so much compliance that I'll do before I have to finally get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, again, for, tell me to stop if I'm going too far. But we both, yeah, find the allure, that search for power, the so the cornerstones of eroticism, again, are that violating prohibitions, anticipation and longing, overcoming ambivalence, and search for power. And we talk about these all the time. We play with them in our sexual fantasies all the time. Um, but it is n- known between us that you find older women, women of a certain age, I mm-hmm. love that term instead, mm-hmm. highly attractive, mm-hmm. highly erotic. Um, so there's something grounded about them. There's something incredibly sensual to you. Um, I think the main difference is we just talk about this. I don't know why my point is. I think that, yes, I'm, I'm, I, it was very obvious that he was trying to paint a certain picture of himself too. Why are you, why have you been drawn to older women? What is it that you like about that energy? <laughs> um, like they've been to the magic show and they know how the trick works. <laughs> They're, I mean, they, they have more wisdom, uh, yeah. more confidence, uh, more in knowing what they want, yes. more in knowing what they don't want, uh, less deer in the headlights, um, and they can seduce. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that I like that. I like mm-hmm. being seduced. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what I had issue with the kid. Yeah. But then, like, I don't, uh, I don't know what actually happened, so... No, but I'm sure there was incredible, and he alluded to that a little bit, but you're right. It didn't, not at all did he go as far as would have been, I think, helpful to the general public because that's where the allure is. Nobody is necessarily in their most rational mind, right? They're in their lustful mind. Yeah, lust, yeah. Yeah, it's hot. Uh huh. It's really hot. Thanks for sharing that. Any big takeaways from watching the doc? No. Uh Uh-uh. Nothing like uh, some revelation? No. Uh Uh-uh. Like almost... Powerful people. Mm -hmm. Delusion. Mm -hmm. The fall. (laughs) Rockets. Like they, they got... Yeah. They got high on their own supply. They'll be fine, though. I hope they recover. I mean, fuck, I don't, I don't know. So, and yeah. Who cares, also? Mm-hmm. Like, who gives a shit? Ultimately, who, who, the, who the fuck cares? I do. Because it's wild to see, like, that version of someone's life. Mm-hmm. No, and this is why, I mean, as a sexuality educator, I'm going to do kind of a, a talk back, like an open Zoom for people, because I do. I care because there is so much potential for learning here. So much. I take um, that back. Yeah. There's potential for learning other than that. Nothing. Yeah. I don't care. Which, you know, what's funny. That's what the Bible is supposed to be. A lot of stories about mistakes uh, that we should learn from. Yeah. It's like what you say as a coach, right? What do you say? Like, learn from my mistakes. You don't have to make it. You don't yeah, have to yeah, or something. Yeah. Mentorship. I, I did it the like the hard way, or and then you can do it the easy way if you actually listen to me. Right. If you choose to listen. There are consensual ways for a married couple to want to invite someone else into their bedroom. Sure. 
There are consenting ways to protect another person. Guess what? There has to be hard work done with mm-hmm. the couple first on a lot of things. Has to be a lot of openness, has to be a lot of question asking, and then, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. is this okay? Yeah, it has to be a lot of that. So much, so much pre-work. You don't just get to go out and jump into bed with people. You could, but I, There's gonna I be think it'll, yeah, I think same thing. things are gonna, fucked up things are gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You said something so brilliant. You said. I didn't say anything brilliant on this podcast. Uh, I want to go on record. (laughs) You said they were ignorant, but now they're not ignorant of the consequences of their ignorance. From my coach, Corey Wayne. Uh, That's where I heard it from. You can ignore reality. You can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. It's fabulous because that is what people inside of what has been termed as religious orthodoxy are taught that it is better to be ignorant about sexuality and to figure it all out within marriage, which is condoned by God. It is better to do that than to receive comprehensive sexuality education, than to understand consent and understand the fluidity of sexual expression. And it's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell is Hmm. what it is. And it is dangerous. And if people are listening or watching this who are parents, do better. Do better. Because if you think that by controlling and suppressing the sexuality in your child is going to have positive ramifications, you are wrong. They will begin to eroticize secrecy just as Jerry Falwell Jr. did. And that is on us as parents. We can either openly educate and be safe spaces, as can churches, invite me to your churches. Uh, Or we can tell people that you're not, that's gross and that you don't talk about that. And then voila, we end up with same scenarios. So anyway, that is my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. I had a lot of feelings about this doc, but most of anything, I'm glad it's being discussed. I'm glad it's being discussed. I agree with you. I think any documentary is done from um, a vantage point and opinion. So we should take what we like and leave the rest. Like this podcast. The opinions expressed on this podcast are just that opinions. We encourage you to take what you like and leave the rest. We love research and hope you do your own. We hope that our successes and failures enable you to build the partnerships you dream about. So I like to take a little minute just at the end of these podcasts to talk about the platform that we use for our podcast called Anchor. When we were first getting into the scene of podcasting, I didn't know much, but did a simple Google search um, and found that by just uploading one high-res video to Anchor's platform, it does the rest of the work for me, pushes out the audio and video to every platform podcast users use. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And I'd love to tell you more about Anchor.